Welcome back, everyone, to That Is Effin' Weird. Make sure you're sitting down for this episode of Bigfoot. I am one of your hosts, Alex. And I'm Tristan. And we have a special guest on today who's going to help us dive into the world of Bigfoot. Brendan, thank you for coming on to the show. You're welcome. It's a very complicated world, uh, what we're about to discuss today. <laughs> oh, sure. oh, I know. I know. This is a big topic. I don't think we're going to be able to cover everything uh, in one episode. So we might have like two or three of these, but we would love to have you come on and just, you know, p- we'll pick your brain for the big yeah, foot that's, stuff. That's, you know, it's it's a good thing. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy to be here. And it's, it's not often that I, I'm usually on the other side of the microphone giving the interview. So it's kind of nice to be uh, I don't have to prepare as much. I just have to answer the questions as they come at me. So it's kind of <laughs> nice. Well, hopefully there's nothing too hard that we're going to be asking of you and everything, but we'll we'll dive right into it. Yeah. I think one of the biggest questions that we have right now is what drove you to do research into Bigfoot? Well, it's funny because I'm not really, if you would have, if you, if you'd see me and you'd meet me on the street, you would never guess that I was interested in such a, a, a thing as Bigfoot. I had grown up uh, in in the Catskill Mountains, and I'm a hunter and a, a fisherman and an outdoorsman. I used to be. Um, I lived out on the West Coast for quite some time, and I traveled a lot for my my old job. Coming back um, to the East Coast to look after my folks and to do some stuff around my hometown where I live, I got uh, injured and I had to have spinal surgery. So I was laid up for quite a while. And um, that being said, I wasn't able to, uh, I'm not handicapped by any means, but I'm very, I can't get around as much as I used to. So while I was recuperating, I started listening to Creepypasta. I started listening to Bigfoot podcasts. I started reading books. And I was always fascinated by the people that are looking for Bigfoot, right? I mean, you have to admit that these, there's a, a, a cast of characters out there, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Like you, you look at the Discovery Channel with the, what's that show called? Finding Bigfoot. They are a bunch of characters right there. Yeah. I mean, you got that and then you've got, and that's just the media side of it. I mean, if you look at the, the, the real, the, the real deep dive into some of the Facebook groups and some of the people that are out there with some of the books, you know, it's, it's a cast of characters and I wanted to, I wanted to document that, right? I wanted to start uh, filming and documenting and starting a sort of a production company. So I founded the Catskill Appalachian Research Collective, which we are based on the East Coast. So we, it's focused in uh, New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. So that's how I got interested into it is I wanted to start uh, following some, a, a certain subset of people around and see what this whole Bigfoot thing was. One thing had led to another, and then we started doing our own little investigations, and then that led to a YouTube channel. And uh, so it was it was a paradigm shift in the way, you know, due to the injury, I had to kind of reinvent myself. And Bigfoot uh, seemed like an interesting way to do that. Now, has Bigfoot always been something that you were always passionate about? Or like, I guess, had that seed always been there? Because for I know for me, at least, ever since I was growing up, like a little kid, I always heard stories. I remember, like, I was probably like five, six years old the first time I heard of Bigfoot. And ever since then, I've always had you know, like the, the thought or like the passion to like research and just like dive into the Bigfoot world. And now was that always the case for you or was it when all these things happened uh, later in your life, that's when it really, you know, the Bigfoot took over. 
Well, I think anybody, I mean, I'm reading a book, a great book right now. It's called, uh, I got it actually right here. It's called uh, Why People Believe in Weird Things, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an actual book by uh, Michael Shermer. It's an older book. And, you know, it's, it's, I think people are generally fascinated with the unknown and mysteries, whether it be uh, Bigfoot and Sasquatch or uh, UFOs or ghosts or um, M missing 411. I think people are always, you know, curious on, on the, uh, they want to try to solve the puzzle. And, um, so no, I wasn't always interested in Bigfoot, but I was always interested in, you know, as a, as a young boy and teenager, you're kind of interested in weird shit. So uh, <laughs> I guess Bigfoot is literally, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's funny because we had started, uh, the group and the group was going to be when I started the CARC, um, it was going to be, okay, we're going to do 60% Bigfoot. We're going to do 40% uh, spirits, ghosts, and UFO. But I tell you, once you let that, it's literally Bigfoot is the 800-pound gorilla in the room because once you start that conversation and you go down that rabbit hole, it's a deep hole. And we've it took us two years to kind of float back up to the top to where we can kind of get our bearings and start investigating other strange things. So, yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a weird road. Bigfoot kind of is the, 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 the granddaddy of all mysteries right you think mm -hmm. i mean yeah and i i would say so it would have to be bigfoot or ufos one of the two i would say personally uh, of, um, now they may be related oh, okay <laughs> oh that's right? i got a question about that for later <laughs> on i don't want to get into that right <laughs> now <laughs> you said though that you did most of your um your research and everything like that in the east coast has that always been the case or have you gone across the united states maybe some other countries, you know, conducting your, your research into Bigfoot. Me personally, no, but we have, like I said, when we started the collective, it was, it's a group of like-minded individuals that are around the, the country. And we'll say, we'll, we'll say North America and we'll say the United States, primarily some people out in, in Western Canada. Um, but no, it's, it's been for the, for my boots on the ground, because I am very new by uh, Bigfoot standards. I mean, there's been some people that have been looking for the thing for 30, 40 years. Yeah, um, my boots on the ground has been delegated to the northern part of uh, upstate New York, um, the southern tier, which goes over towards Buffalo and Canada, and uh, and I'm sorry, Buffalo and um, and uh, Lake uh, Erie, I think that is over there. My geography is awful, and then down through central Pennsylvania. So that's where we uh, concentrate our. We don't just we we just don't have the funds or the bandwidth to go uh, all over the world. No, that's that's understandable, and it. I, I hate that too, because almost kind of like what we're doing right here, like with the podcast, like we're all over the world right now doing this interview. Um, I think it's a passion though that like everyone hopes to like, you know, you're you're passionate about Bigfoot to like fully one day just to like, you know, have the funds to go and do that. And like I'd say that's the hardest part about doing stuff that you you really love is just like the funds and like the money to like actually go out and do it. Cause this stuff can get kind of expensive, whether it's just, you know, a mm -hmm. hobby or like anything like that so yeah i mean and that's why we started the collective is we wanted to try to bring in other people from around the, the country and and you know by facebook standards uh we are not a big group we have a little over a thousand people in our group uh which is which which is you know which is to me growing it when you start a facebook group from one member and you get to a thousand that's a big benchmark you know 
I was I was gonna say a, th- a thousand people is not is not small by any means to me. That's still pretty, a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. I'm right, exactly, and it's and it's you know I'm the the founder and the director. It's this is my baby. I I LLC'd the group um, a couple of years back when we started it because I see I would like to brand this whole process and and you know because you look at um I don't want to digress off the track too far but if you look at you know network television is on the down right everybody's streaming mm-hmm. you know so what prevents me from creating my own network and then selling it to say Hulu or Netflix or something like that so that's my golden ring right there is to to do that and um but that being said, you know, you have to maintain, you have to keep your eye on the prize, you know, the Bigfoot stuff. You have to entertain everybody's thoughts and respect everybody's thoughts. And we've wandered. We just launched our YouTube channel a month and a half ago. And that's a whole nother process, as you guys, I'm sure you're well aware that, that now that we've got the YouTube channel, which is CARC Universal, um, it's only less than two months old and we've got 300 subscribers. But we have people, we've got this guy and um, I think he's in Romania. He found the channel on his birthday. He's one of those guys and you being overseas, you'll understand this is uh, he watches all the, he watches all the footage, but then he, he'll, he'll respond in broken English uh, <laughs> comments and he's very excited. Yep. So yep. I have to, you know, you have to, if you're going to run a Bigfoot organization and I'm saying a smaller one, you have to maintain your hand on every everything, right? You got to keep uh, you got to keep your your uh, your real investigators. We have a board of a uh, we have a board of trustees. You would say we have four or five people that do are real investigating. But then you have all these other people that are part of the collective, which isn't very important. And that is where, if we remember how I started the story, I wanted to chronicle a, a, a wide variety of people. So it's working out so far so good. So you you said that you had four to five actual researchers like out on the ground right. trying to locate or find Bigfoot, correct? Right. So what we do is I, we have, there's a, uh, there's a, there's a guy named Sean. There's a young lady named Gwen, there's Charlie, and then there's Mike and they're, um, they're all kind of, and then there's me. So there's the five. And what we do is they'll set up, we, we, they'll set up the, the investigations on property around our central location, which is New York, Pennsylvania and, and uh, New, uh, New Jersey. And then they'll do the pre-investigations. And then if there's some activity going on, I will go with my film. Uh, I'll go with me with an extra cameraman and I'll document it because I believe if you can't document what's going on, it's just a story. Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And I think that's, if we look at like any sort of Bigfoot UFO, like any sort of film, it's always just that small little bit that's ever captured. And it's ne- it seems to me like there's not real, no, I'm not it's not, not real evident, but there's like that that process <laughs> up, up to it is like it's not documented, and you only have that like that little snippet of information. Well, and that's the thing is it, it was a challenge because we had gotten we'll get to this probably farther down the interviews. We had captured some 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 evidence, um, and but the time leading up to that is not really all that exciting. So you to make that watchable and make that digestible like you see on uh, Expedition Bigfoot or, or uh, uh, Finding Bigfoot, that unfortunately is all scripted, right? Because oh, yeah. you, you, you guys are in the business. You understand that, you know, it's, you want the, the, the jump scare is what you're waiting for. And uh, that doesn't always come at all. And uh, we've been, I've been very lucky to have a couple of instances that have happened 
um, relatively in a short amount of time. Because there's people, like you said, that have been looking for this thing for 30 or 40 years and have nothing to show for it. Mm-hmm. What keeps those people motivated? That's, that's the bigger question. I think I think almost you have to look at it too, almost like as a, almost like a police or like a detective like point of view, where like every little aspect that you're doing up into this investigation is important. It's important, I think, to document everything that you're doing in the event that you actually you know capture or you gather that evidence so that way it's like oh okay this is what we did x y and z now let's replicate that again and again and again and then therefore you're collecting more evidence you're getting more of the results that you're looking for so i think it's a smart idea and it's a it's a good practice to document literally everything that you're doing so i, I would be for it it's and that's also right there you just said that that's your scientific theory right you want to be yep. able to repeat the the same steps and ha- and have it the repeatable offense uh, or the repeatable um, uh, whatever happened, the evidence, if, if possible. Um, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, most of the time it's when you have you let your guard down for just a minute, you put the camera down for just a second, <laughs> you shut the recorder off for just a minute, and that's when usually all the hell breaks loose. And that's, you know, I've been caught with my pants down on that one time, one too many, put it that yep. way. <laughs> and, and that's, I mean, that's just how technology is, though. Unless you have, like, we, we talked about it before, the funding to keep those cameras recording 24-7, unlimited memory cards, like, just, like, you know, like, it takes a lot. So it's it's one of those things where, you know, that's bound to happen. So that's, like, no fault of your own. But I, I can completely understand, like, it being frustrating to, like, you know, have something happen while your the cameras are off. or and then, and then it just turns into a story and everything, so... Well, but then you also have groups like the Olympic Project out, out on the West Coast. They they have, I think they've got, they've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars and huh. thousands and thousands of man hours and really have very little to show for it. So I'm fairly um, lucky in that we are, you know, our budget is what it is. We, we can afford to buy what we have and use what we have. But we I haven't spent the 6,000 hours in the woods yet. And I don't know if I would, to tell you the truth, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, a big question that I do have, like now that we're t- kind of like talking about the research that you're doing, what, is the, what has been like the hardest part of all the research that you have been doing up to this point? Well, to me, it's, it's living on the East Coast has its challenges because a lot of people think that there's not enough territory here on the East Coast. And, and there is an, a, a vast amount of territory that is, uh, that's, uh, public land that's not uh, that's deep forested that's not uh, developed by any means but the hardest part for me and at the level we are is to get everybody on the same page because everybody has a day job and everybody has bills to pay so not everybody can get away at the same time and then when you get everybody away at the same time not everybody is in the right you know got to get everybody on the same page so trying to i think the, the by far the hardest thing for me to do with my group is to treat it like a big money expedition Mm-hmm. when it's not right you're trying to cover thirty thousand acres in a weekend with with five people it's just not going to happen and i mean in thermal drones costs we have <laughs> we got a friend of ours who has a buddy uh, one of the guys in the group actually has a good friend a bed, best friend who has like a four thousand dollar thermal drone the problem with him owning a four thousand dollar thermal drone is he does not want to fly the four thousand dollar thermal drone What's the point of having it? Therein (laughs) lies the argument. So these are challenges you have. It's like, you got it. It's great. You're launching it up during the great. That's awesome. Let's get that thing up at night. No, I don't want to crash it into a tree. It's like, (laughs) 
So though, and trust me, I've had these. These are <laughs> so these are the challenges, right? You can, because you want to do everything that these big budget uh, productions are doing, but you can't afford to do them. I mean, if I had the money to invest in a, a, a $3,000 thermal drone, I would fly it and I would crash it and I would get another one. That's just the way <laughs> life is, right? I mean, if you're going to find the thing, you're going to have to look for the thing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, so again, that next question is, so what, what sort of instruments do you guys use when you're doing your research then in the field? Well, well we know it's not the thermal drone. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, Jesus. Sorry, Jim. Um, anyway, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of, you know, it is, is people will watch a, a video that's got pretty shitty video, but it has to have great audio, right? You're not going to watch something that sounds awful. You might put up with a bad thermal or something like that. So I've got, I mean, for me personally, I've got some high-end lavalier mics. We've got some high-end shotgun mics. I've got some low-light Sony cameras. We've got a bunch of GoPros. We've got a couple of handheld thermals, um, stuff like that. You know, um, we generally, and of course, we have the trail cameras. We've got a half a dozen trail cameras. Um, the main thing is, 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 you know, you, you can put the technology there so you can put a, a trail camera somewhere. But if you're not there to make sure that somebody's not screwing with the trail camera or, or, or trying to mess with you because they see where the trail camera is, you have to put people in the woods and you have to put people with cameras in the woods. And those people that go in the cameras with the woods have to know how to use those cameras. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. I've gotten back and, and I scream. I don't scream at my guys, but I tell them content, content, content. Always be recording. I need everything. I need everything that you do. I've got two guys going down to central Pennsylvania this weekend. And we've got, it's been a mild summer or mild winter by all accords here. So there's, there's not a lot of snow on the ground. So they can get out and look for stuff. But if they go down there and they don't record things that I can use, it, I, it, it's just to me, it's like they didn't even go. Yeah. You know, and it, yeah. to them, they, they are, they, I have to be honest. I am the, the most skeptical person in our group by far because I'm the one that watches all the evidence and I'm the one that puts it together and tries to put it into a product that people will watch. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I, and this may sound weird on a Bigfoot show, is I don't really care if we find Bigfoot or not. I mean, of course, I would love to in a perfect world, <laughs> yes, but yeah. it's important to, to, to chronicle the, the journey. That's the important part for, for me. Um, to the other guys, they are very, very, they're more of a, that was Bigfoot. That must've been Bigfoot. They're still in that stage. <laughs> yeah. They're not as deep as they were before, but they're still in that stage. I think Tristan, he, he's probably our, our biggest skeptic on the show right now. Um, he can kind of contest to that where to me, I like, I full heartedly believe in Bigfoot. Like you don't, you don't have to give me any sort of evidence. I already have enough. Like the stories, like everything up till now, like I believe in the thing. Um, but Tristan's a little bit different way. So well, let me ask you, Tristan, you've done a, a, let me ask you guys a question is, is Tristan, you've, you guys have done more than your hand, uh, share of uh, interviews. Have you, what, what percentage of people do you have on it? You don't need to say, um, that it's just Bigfoot stories that you, you, as soon as the conversation starts, you go, oh, this guy's all in, no matter what we say, he's going to think it's a Bigfoot or no, no matter what your skeptic button is just going off. Right. So how does that, how has that been working on the interviews with you guys on your side? Uh, most of the interviews we've done, I, I can't really judge it off if they're a skeptic or not, because it's more been people talking about subjects they're aware of. Um, when it comes to the theories surrounding that at the end, there's definitely, you can tell where people are going to stand pretty quickly. 
because mm-hmm. uh, most people reveal what they're gonna think per, like right off the bat, and most people aren't ashamed of that kind of thing. And yeah, just being an over overly skeptical person of <laughs> all of it, I tend to always look at the most non fantastical point of view of it. But then as soon as like. I'll use Dyatlov Pass for that, just because that okay. that part everyone decided that was Bigfoot like immediately, and to me that was the most ridiculous explanation of all of them. But everyone was just like, "It's Bigfoot." <laughs> That's uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they even went through. There was a whole National Geographic where they had, I think it was National. They had a, where they had they they had fabricated a story, a backstory behind the Dyatlov Pass, and they had acted it out like that was the real story was that there was this creature and it was and it was obviously a mockumentary and and i've got a guy on my team that that wants to cover that on the show and and about bigfoot and i go you know dude you're like four years behind the ball here on this one dude you know? <laughs> <laughs> so i have to keep them i have to it's a challenge for me and i'm sure Tristan, you understand this is as as the director it's 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 a, it's i don't want to take all the wind out of their sails because then they're not going to go in there with excitement and they're not going to go, you know, you know, like a first, first day at school, uh, kid, you know, kid going to the first day at school, but I'm trying to keep them grounded in the, being more skeptical. Don't believe what everybody tells you, um, you know, look at it through a filter where you can, you know, so it's a challenge between keeping them motivated and letting them be excited about, yes, that's Bigfoot. Yes. That's going to be Bigfoot. And then also keeping them grounded at the same time. That's a real hard thing to do with these guys sometimes that's got to be really difficult to do with the type of groundwork you guys do. Cause like I was thinking about when you're talking about field recording, cause I love field recording audio stuff that, Oh, that's so cool. But it's, it's a hobby all of itself. Like not just the going out there with the, like being the audio file and having the equipment, it's the going out there and like recording stuff and being out all day, just in nature, not listening to anything else except for you know what's around you mm-hmm. um, versus like, you know, kind of what we do is we're just sitting around talking. So you can kind of let people go off a little better, especially with stuff they think is fantastical because then they just have fun and they kind of, uh, yeah, it's just more fun to listen to. But trying to keep people's motivation high while they're just standing out in the woods with cameras. It's tough. And that's, that's got to so- not be easy. It's funny because it's funny that you said that because we have one guy uh, that is very high strung and he's the youngest guy in the group. Um, he uh, he'll probably listen to this and he'll know exactly who I'm talking about. He's a great guy. I love getting that. <laughs> but the problem with him is he can't. I can't give him a camera or anything or, or phone because he's so excited. He just goes goes goes. But I put a guy with him to follow him and shadow him, and he's got to slow down and let the guy catch up to him. Right. So he's going out. He's barreling out in the woods at three o'clock in the morning or whatever it is, and he's got a guy behind him with camera gear. He's got to slow down and let the guy follow him. it's not a race (laughs) if you watch the footage if you watch the raw takes of all the stuff i I got you always hear me go mike it's not a race have fun race (laughs) don't let Derek get lost (laughs) to me what it seems like is i don't know if you've ever seen the tv show it's called taps it's a uh, paranormal investigative uh, type show and their their big concept behind the show was always Rather than, you know, like, okay, yep, your, your house is, is haunted and all this stuff, they would go at it as to try to explain all of the paranormal activity that was going on um, in any of the residents that they were, you know, in. And it, w- it, was, really, it was really nice, and it was really, almost like a refreshing thing to see where it was like, you know, someone thought there was like something in the attic. Well, it turns out it was just some of the piping and air ducts 
where they were like squeaking or it was just, it was really weird. So to me, that almost seems like your kind of approach where it's like, yes, you want to believe or like, you know, you do believe, but you're going at it in a very, you know, like logical, okay, hey, that that wasn't Bigfoot just because it sounded weird. Let's try to get to the bottom of what it really was. And I think that's great. Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic. You know, I'm a, I'm a skeptic and I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, of course I want the thing to exist. Um, my take on it has definitely shifted. My, my thinking has shifted the more that, I, the more I talk to people, um, about it with the shows and the more books I read, the more stuff I cover, um, my paradigm has shifted a little bit in my thinking of it because, you know, just the way things are, um, but I, I I do agree with that. We st- what I did with the, um, on our YouTube channels, I started. A, it's called three minute videos, and they're th- they're just a they're around three minutes plus or minus a couple seconds. And what I do is I take a, a fairly popular Bigfoot video or suspected Bigfoot video, uh, something that's relatively new, and I'll I'll de- try to debunk it in three minutes or less. And it's had I've only done four episodes, and they've gotten a huge, huge uh, following on that. And what I do is I, I I place like a common like say there's a there's one where it's a suspected or the the post is new Bigfoot video uh, blah blah blah. And I so I take it and I put uh, overlay a bear into the same spot, and I show them that it's obviously not a, a, through photo recognition. You know, you're looking at the stuff because how do you debunk something in three minutes or less? It's it's very hard to do because the the attention span on YouTube is is minute so that's something oh, I just yeah. that's why i love it yeah yeah and, right that's so that's something we just started i started a couple months ago and i've had a huge um a huge uh success with that and that's so i'm you know i'm challenged with de- de- delivering that type of of uh debunking in a short amount of time so yeah i'm trying to do that and trying to put it into something that people can relate with but if somebody sees it and they think it's Bigfoot, there's nothing you can tell to tell them. There's nothing you can do or say to, to get them to think otherwise sometimes. Okay, so I have a question with what you're saying based off the YouTube channel. Um, has AI recognition changed anything in the Bigfoot hunt? I hadn't really thought about that until you had mentioned like computers recognizing that. Is, is there any sort of like analysis done in that way on any of the footage? Well, you know, obviously there's been no, I mean, as far as facial recognition. Yeah. Kind of like trying to recognize what it is, place it like directly into like, it's a man in a suit or any kind of algorithms that were like formed around trying to figure out what it is. I'm sure there are. I know that there's obviously spectral analysis when it comes to audio that you can, that you can look at a lot more Mm -hmm. in depth. Um, there are, I know that I've seen some videos on Thinker Thunker has done one with the Todd standing where he laid over, but he had to do it himself. I don't have access to, first of all, enough, uh, video of Bigfoot's face. And second of all, I think that program is pretty expensive by the U S government. Um, so, but I, but I, but I guarantee you, I can tell you, we all know that technology has changed both the, the look for the hunt for it. And the that's also the biggest roadblock because now people can hoax stuff much easier than they than they could before i mean that's what that's what makes the patterson gimlin film so unique is that was filmed in the late 60s before cgi before yeah. you know a, a lot of technology came to came to bear and it still holds its own so so it's both a blessing and a curse well since you brought up the topic what are your thoughts on the film very first footage <laughs> I, I love the i don't know if you've ever watched the joe rogan show when he had dr jeffrey meldrum on it was about a three and a half hour show and 
it was so funny because Joe was going back and forth. I think it's Bigfoot. Oh, now it's Amanda Sue. <laughs> now, now it looks like Bigfoot. Now, now it's Amanda Sue. You know, there has been so much, there's been a lot smarter people looking into that than I have, and they've spent a lot far more money into it. You know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it probably is. But. Okay. But. <laughs> but. But if, 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 if these two guys were able to capture that footage, right? I, and they shook it up, right? Remember the camera, the original camera was all shaky, the original footage, and then stabilization came along five or 10 years ago. And then the 4K version came along five or 10 years ago. So let me ask you this. If they were hoaxing it, right? Chances are they're either extremely lucky by, by getting away with it and lying for the last 55, 56 years, or it's a real thing because I don't think they ever back in the, in 68 or 67, whenever it was, I forget the exact year. Um, I'm probably going to be crucified on every Bigfoot. Oh, you remember the day of the <laughs> film? Um, but, uh, you know, so, so they didn't plan on it being put under the microscope as much as it has been. And it still holds its own. I mean, what do you guys think? So there's actually, um, someone you're, you're talking about the video stabilization or stabilization. Yeah. Um, someone on Reddit, uh, it was just a random video that I stumbled across, but they had like, they had taken all the shake out of it. And like, they, it, it, it was smooth, completely smooth as if like, it was like perfectly set up on a tripod filming this. And I, it looked to me, it looked like a man in a suit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm, staring, it, it, I'm it, staring at the picture on your, uh, on your, on your uh, discord right now. Oh, okay. That was from, oh, that was from a different interview uh, that we had done the, uh, a couple, like a week back or whatever. So, so it that was from a, a suit. So, you say it's a man in a suit. Let me take, let me take a look at it. That's the thing uh, about it is if you look at one time, I, I mean, I remember the first time I watched the 4k version and I watched it on my phone. I go, fucking man in a suit, man. Come on. You could see the goddamn, you know, and then you look at it again. Hmm. Know what it is? It's just like, am I in here? All right, okay. I don't know. I don't. Okay, I will say this. I don't know. It is very. I could. He's like, <laughs> like what you're saying with the Joe Rogan. Exactly thing. right. It could be it's exactly. The same yes, thing. but like, he, here's the thing: is that to me, there's so many different, like the the variants, I guess, or like the face, or like the head. It always looks different in almost every single picture of Bigfoot, or like it, like. So like the Patterson Gimlin Gimlin one, it's I don't know. It's like the shape of the head to me is different than some of the other ones like recently that have been found. Um, that, that the fact like I I don't know. It's just it's hard to say. I don't the know. Hardest thing that's another thing about this this search is everybody has a different opinion of what it looks like, and everybody has different evidence of what it looks like. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. there's no you know I, there's no. Um, consensus of it all looks exactly the same because I've seen uh, some footage of something that looks more like a monkey. But I mean, like you, yeah, well, you, you look at, or well, let's, let's take, let's take monkeys. For example, there's, there's different kinds of monkeys. Like, you know, you have the orangutan, you have like uh, chimpanzee, spider monkey, they all look different, but they're all primates, right. you know? So if, if Bigfoot 
Like if that is its own, you know, classification of whatever type of mammal it really is, there could be different variants of it. And that's just like the one that they had captured that day. Whereas other ones that are being captured now, you're, we're just catching a different one or a different variant of it, I guess. I have biggest problem. You know, you want to know what the biggest problem I have is with all this thing is, and I've, I'm, and I'm sure you guys will, some of you will agree with me that, that, if that's the case, right? If there's several different species, which I I can completely concur with that, I completely agree with you. They where is a body? So, <laughs> my thing is too with that is that if if Bigfoot, like as a species, is an endangered species, well, let's just take this for example. Walking out in the woods, there are deer. Like in because I, I grew up in Minnesota, um, deer are just there's a millions of deer up north. Um, I probably only stumbled across like an actual deer carcass, maybe mm, 10 times at most my entire life, you know, growing up from like, you know, just a kid in diapers all the way up to like where I graduated high school is like, I, I never saw just a random deer carcass just in the middle of the woods. So like the fact that like, you know, Bigfoot carcass, if they are endangered and there's not as many of them, I could see that not being, you know, out there, especially if it's a creature that doesn't like to be around humans and wants to be like in its own little place doing its own little thing. We're probably not going to find its remains. Well, I think that that's a large argument that the flesh and blood, we'll call them the apers, right? You know, there's two camps, right? There's two, two camps and two slangs. There's the flesh and blood guys that are called the apers. And then there's the paranormal guys that are the woo guys, right? They they hate each other. There's this is the first time I've ever heard of this. You've never heard of that? <laughs> no. Ah, that, that is the so that are the two camps. There's the flesh and blood theory, which is a monkey in the woods, and their derogatory term called by the paranormal people is, are the apers. And then the flesh, the paranormal people are the woo people, and they they uh, and that's the biggest argument by by the apers is that it's an apex predator and it's like a bear and it can it can die where it dies. Um, it can do that, right? Because bears die in the woods. They choose they choose where they're going to die, and they die. That being said, you would think that one would have been hit by a truck somewhere at some time because you hear stories about them being almost hit by cars all the time. But, I mean, the, the Canadian highway is a really dark place, and trucks do 80, 90 miles an hour up there. And the same thing in the flats of um, Montana. So I agree with you that, yes, it can choose where to die, but you would think that there would be a roadkill because I – live in this ice we have deer all over the place but during rut right when the deer go into to to mate and they go into rut there's dead carcasses all over the place because the deer and think they're thinking with their junk and as they run across the street and bigfoot if they procreate they're probably doing the same thing you know that's a good argument that's uh <laughs> and i like but that's the thing is like we have not we have yet to hit like there's you know like a trucker has not hit one yet so, which is this, I mean, disappointing, but a good thing in the same token. Uh, and that's so. the whole thing is that there's that whole kill camp now, you know, it's like, if you ever want to stir the pot with anybody, just tell them you, you shoot a Bigfoot. I would, I would gladly harvest a Bigfoot because if, <laughs> if it is a flesh and blood creature, it would need protection, right? And it's not, you're not going to mm -hmm. get protection from any government agency unless you have a body. And I think Dr. Grover Krantz said it the best when he when he stated that uh, not only would you have to kill the thing, but you would have to drag it from university to university and shove it up, shove it under the noses of the professors, prove that it was still that exists. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, that that is very true because yeah, it's unless there's an actual physical body, people aren't going to. And here's the crazy thing too is that we were talking about like technology and CGI and everything like that. Even if you had pictures of it, even if you had like the best clearest picture of a Bigfoot and you're like, "Hey, look at this right here." People would still doubt it. Right. People 100%. Right. Of course. I mean, I, I would. wouldn't blame and it. Listen, <laughs> it. <laughs> Shut up, Tristan. <laughs> so, is there any sort of protection that you actually do bring out into the woods and like when you're actually doing your research? Cause like you were saying that if like you encountered it and everything like that, would you, would you kill it? Or I guess would you protect yourself? Or is it one of these things where it's like, no, don't harm it. We need to keep it alive. <laughs> Well, it's it's funny because uh, you know I, I, I first of all I, I believe that the thing is is probably would retreat right it would it wouldn't uh, you've never really heard or I haven't really heard too many credible stories of Bigfoot attacking people um, you know for vengeance or whatever um, that being said if you're going in the woods at night you should always bring something to protect yourself because there are real creatures out there that um, that do exist and that will hurt you. Um, you know, on the, on the West coast, by no means, you know, you got, you got mountain lions who you won't, you know, you don't have that on the East coast, but I mean, I always used to carry a rifle. There's usually a rifle in the truck or a pistol, um, or a shotgun. Just, just, I'm not running around the woods with it, but it's in the vehicle. Um, yeah. because the, the, you know, to be honest with you, the most dangerous person, the most dangerous thing you could run to run into in the woods is another person. You know, there's some True. weirdos out there, you know? <laughs> and that's that. Well, that's that. That movie. Um, I think it's Sasquatch. It came out on Hulu. Was based on there was three unsolved murders that were in this area up by the Golden Triangle that where they grew all the pot and all the you know the Mexican mafia. The mafia was growing all the pot and and they had yes. killed these trespassers. And what they did is they blamed it on Bigfoot and they claimed that it was a Bigfoot that was terrorizing the the area and killing these people when in fact it was the the, the cartel, uh, the marijuana cartel. I watched that documentary and like, I, I was, I wanted that to be like a <laughs> 10 season, you know, mm-hmm. like documentary. Like I didn't want that. Like it, I was so disappointed that it was like, what, three episodes, yeah. three or four episodes. But you know what? To his, to, to the directors and the writers, uh, a testament, they got out while the get was good. I mean, it was very well done. Oh yeah, it really was. Cause like the entire time, you weren't sure if there was actually like a Sasquatch or if it was actually just people killing other people up in the, uh, the California fucking, uh, what was it called? As far as like collecting and and, like doing your research and everything, has there been any sort of samples that you've collected or anything like that as far as whether it be hair, video, audio, anything like that, that you feel is pretty strong evidence? Well, we had, uh, we had, um, we were we're shooting a, a mini documentary. It's called Devil's Road, and it's um it's this it's the it's the concept of my group uh, looking for Bigfoot, and uh, and eventually it'll be other phenomena, um you know. But we we have to finish our first couple episodes. We so we were up in the Allegheny National Forest in 2020, which is northern Pennsylvania, where New, Pennsylvania and New York meet on the northern border. Uh, it's a giant forest. There's a there's a and we were out in a, a fire road in the middle of nowhere about 15 miles from any type of populace. And it's very sparsely populated up there anyway. And around 3.30 in the morning, we had gotten this howl that that I literally, it, it, and I'm a big guy. I mean, I'm 6'4", well over 300 pounds. And, and to tell you the truth, it, this is one of those moments where 
I had put the camera down because it was raining and they didn't want to get the camera wet. I've got a very expensive uh, low light camera that we use for stuff like that because we don't put any lights, you know. It's, so we had a group up on the north of us and we had me and another guy were on a fire road and we were there the first night and a couple other members were on their way up because they had to work Friday. So this was a Friday night and it was about, we had went in around 9.30 at night and it was about a quarter after three. We had this huge howl, came out of freaking nowhere. Luckily, we had a little recorder on the truck that was rolling, and we had captured it, and, and I captured the whole moment up to that, and we had it vetted by a gentleman called David Ellis, who's uh, out in the Olympic Peninsula in Washington State, who is kind of the, if there is such a thing as an audio expert when it comes to suspected Bigfoot calls, he's the guy, because it was it was very it wasn't anything that I expected to hear in the woods. It sounded like a giant at first it sounded like a giant wolf, like a really mm -hmm. and it was maybe no more than fifty to seventy five yards away from where we were, but it sounded oh, much no. bigger, like really, really, really freaking big holy cow it, yeah. <laughs> i was I was expecting you to be like, oh, it was like a mile or two no, away it was, it was not that far and, and I actually <laughs> if you watch um our if I'll send you the link it's it's devil's road it's called the sugar run howls and i I chronicled the chronicle we we recorded it all I have such time hard to say chronicled um <laughs> it's fine we we can't pronounce shit anyways on this show too <laughs> don't worry no, about it and then i took it and i dressed it up so it's a 15 minute video that it took me 500 hours to edit i mean i i did like the, the 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 hollywood edit on it and i had to edit the subtitles and all this cool stuff and the the video grabs and all the black uh the the thermal camera stuff and everything so it takes you into this journey of this this howl and then the howls lasted like 15 fucking minutes it was they were back and forth there was two of them and it's all on all on tape. I have it all on tape, and it's on our channel. But I'll send you the link. That is the the one that I, you know, now was it Bigfoot? I don't know because I did address the. I did send it to the the Fish and Game in Pennsylvania State, and I asked them to. You know, well, they, I thought it was a wolf, right? And they're like, "Well, there's no wolves here," but I thought it was a. It, you'd have to hear it to to understand how big it sounds. Um, yeah. I, they, I got a brick road there, you know, a brick wall there. They didn't uh, get back to me. It took me a while to get David to listen to it. He's like, yes, that's the exact same things that we hear here out here on the West coast that we've attributed to a Sasquatch, uh, area. So that being said, and that night, it was, what's frustrating is it was raining that night. So you have to hear the rain and there was a storm coming in. The storm blew uh -huh. through the next day. We went out the next night. It was crystal clear. You could hear a pin drop. Nothing happened. That's crazy. <laughs> no, but it's a, it's really. I'm very proud of the episode, and I'll I'll share it with you guys. I'll I'll send it to you, and I'll share. It. Maybe you can put the link in the description or something. Oh yeah, please do it. Yeah. And then, yeah, for all of our listeners out there too, we'll we'll definitely put that link in the the description, and everything like that, so everyone can take a listen to it. So, would you say that was the closest encounter that you've had so far? Oh, um, by far. With yeah, by far. Okay. Yeah. The other guys in the group have had suspected sightings, um, but they've always been from afar. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not a big, I'm not a big tree knocker guy, you know, mm -hmm. as far, I don't believe that Bigfoot walks around the woods with a stick waiting for people to hit a tree. Yeah. I really just don't buy that one. Um, but people have heard wood knocks and stuff like that. I, I have a certain level of evidence that I'm willing to accept as possible evidence and wood knocking to me is just not one of them. That's interesting. I, I I think I haven't heard of wood knocking before. Can you describe that as far as like 
what that means? Well, there's a theory that um, Bigfoot communicate with each other over long distances, either by knocking on trees with with sticks or by cupping their mouth and popping like a pop, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so what people will do is people, I, we've got one of the guys that will walk around with an axe handle, uh, no axe on it, um, and he'll bang the, or a baseball bat and bang the tree. And allegedly people get re- re- replies uh, from a, a suspected Bigfoot. I don't know. I don't know where that came from um, as far as a, a, a theory, but that is a, a very popular theory amongst several researchers. Now, is it, is there any other animal or is there any other creature that would like, you know, bang on trees or like knock on trees or anything like that? I mean, like a woodpecker? Man, well, I mean, <laughs> maybe not because I don't think you could hear a woodpecker there's some from like big, miles away. There, well, there's some big woodpeckers, but I, no, not miles away, but there are some big woodpeckers. Um, yeah. I do think that trees creak on their own with the wind, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. Um, you know, each person is different. I, if, if, put it this way, it would have to be extenuating circumstances. Let's say that I would put myself in the same spot that we were when I caught the sugar on house. I was by myself. Nobody else was with me. And I did, a, I did two knocks. And then I got two knocks back and then I did one knock, got one knock back and then two knocks and two knocks back. Then I would have to think that it's either a person or, right? So you can't just knock on something once and then, and then by happenstance, get a knock back and go, oh, that's Bigfoot. I mean, that's as far from a scientific theory as humanly possible. Yeah, no. And that's true. That's, I think that's a good way to look at it too. Is like, okay, if you, if they communicate through knocks, there has to be some sort of like, like what you were saying, like you do two knocks, you get two knocks back, vice versa, everything like that. Um, right. I guess it, it just for me, like the whole wood knocking thing, it to me, almost like what you were saying, it could, it could just trees creak. Exactly. You know, like, right. so like to me, that's, I think that one's a little bit harder for me to like, you know. Well, that's, and that's the thing is that, you know, the community is so mired in, in, uh, in bad theories. And that's why, being involved in it and trying to rise above, uh, and that's why it's led me to think, and, and I don't want to sound like I, I don't, I, by any means, I do not have a tinfoil hat on, but um, it's it's like, you know, it, it, when I've started this, I thought maybe if it does exist, then maybe it is a, a, a big ape. Maybe it's just hasn't been found. But the longer you hear, the more you do the research and the longer you listen to the conversations and the more people you talk to, it leads me to believe that there might be just something a little bit more to this than maybe we know at all, as far as um, maybe it's not as flesh and blood as we think. I I would tend to believe now because for lack of for lack of credible evidence. Okay, well let let me let, let's get into this question right here. Where do you think Bigfoot derives from? Because I mean, <laughs> we kind of we kind of talked about this at the beginning of the show, and I'll tell you my theory in just a bit. But as far as you. Where do you think, like the creature derived from? I guess, like, did it? Was it? Was it a, like a missing, like the missing link type deal? Uh, well, I mean, okay, let's use the word "if" a lot, all right? Because I'm a skeptic. So let's say if it exists, right? Are we, are Tristan, are we okay with that? Am I covering myself with that one right there? <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> we got to stick together. Um, if it exists, I don't think it's a member of what they call Gigantopithecus, right? I don't think it came across the land bridge. I don't think it's a monkey. In a, in, 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 so it either doesn't exist 
and it's a figment of everybody's imagination, which I don't think is possible. Or I think there might be something a little bit more paranormal to it. So I think it may have be, it may be, oh, you know, it's just, I have such a hard time hearing myself say some of this stuff out loud. Um, but if, if, it, if it does exist, I, I think it has something to do with the current UFO phenomenon. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, we lost Alex. It's over. <laughs> I am 100% on board with that theory. That is 100% what I believe is that the the UFO phenomena or like the UFO um you know and Bigfoot connection it, it's it's there because if you look at most of the encounters with Bigfoot, there's always, always UFO, like article, not articles, but like, you know, reports of UFOs within the same time frame or along the same uh, area as these Bigfoots. And there's a great, great book. Um, it's called um, Skinwalker Ranch. I think it's called Hunt for the Skinwalker. Mm-hmm. Skinwalker Ranch. I can't remember the exact name of it, but it, it talks about that where the, uh, the owners of oh, what ranch is it? Um, it's called Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> it's, it's late here. I know. I know. I know, I know. <laughs> but yes, it's the uh, they had so many UFO sightings there, and they also had Bigfoot sightings as well. And it's just like it, to me that makes the most sense because you you look at where like it's. We don't like what you were saying before. There's there's no body. We haven't had one of those. So if it is a UFO, like scout, observer, pet, whatever you want to call it, it could be one of these things where a UFO drops off the uh, the Bigfoot. You know, he does his thing. He walks walks around, does whatever he needs to do, and the UFO like beams him back up. I believe that 100. percent Yeah, I don't know if I believe all of that. It's it's just that I have to find. Uh, if if I have to find, I'm I'm searching for an alternative to it being flesh and blood, and that leaves you a very narrow range of possibilities. Either it doesn't exist, um, or I mean, I, I have a hard. I think you know, and with the research I've done, I think there's well over 35 million trail cameras that use in the United States alone. 35 million, right? And and there hasn't been any. I mean, you get you get your share of of alleged photos, but there hasn't been anything that, that you go, even if it's fake it, it, or even if it's not Bigfoot, that's a pretty impressive picture of something that may not be Bigfoot. Um, you know, I'm not talking about somebody walking past, but, but let's ask, let's ask the, the skeptic in the group what, what he thinks it is. Yeah, Tristan. And, that, and let's just is. say, let's just say if it exists, so you have to use the same qualifier that I used. <laughs> so well, basically what I think is there is a large barrier of hoaxes in there. Um, so I think you need to get over that. Mm-hmm. So if you accept that there's a certain amount of obviously fake things, um, but that still leaves a percentage of things that can't be explained. Um, I've said it a million times. I think a lot of it has to just do with how our brains interpret the world, especially when we're confused or when we're scared mm-hmm. and people see all kinds of things that they just don't understand. Uh, so I, I think it leads into the paranormal aspect, but I mean that more broadly in the fact there's just a lot of things about our universe we don't understand. Right. And there's a lot of things about nature we don't understand. Right. Um, not to mention the fact our ears, especially, I think the big one is the ears. Uh, Cause I think when people hear things, it can make them see things a lot more because mm-hmm. your brain's much more tuned into using audio than visual. A lot of the time, at least for when it triggers um, like a flight, uh, fight or flight response. 
So I think people hear things out in the na- out in nature, and then it kind of tricks them into seeing things. And I think there is something weird going on out there, but I think it more has to do with our limited perception of the world than it does like aliens hanging out and like letting their pet go to the bathroom on earth, like that kind of thing. (laughs) I think it's a lot more complicated than is able to be answered simply. And we just have such a fraction of the information that you're really just shooting in the dark here. Right. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, there was a great documentary. I think it's called, uh, what the bleep do we know? I don't know if you've ever watched it. It's, um, Tristan, it would be perfect for you. It's a theoretical physics and stuff like that. It's a, True fact, though, is when uh, Columbus landed in the West Indies, or the Spanish, I'm sorry, the Spanish landed um, on somewhere in the West Indies. This is prior to Spanish colonization in the United States. The Indians had no concept of what a clipper ship looked like, right? They had no concept of a giant sail ship that they didn't even see it. Their, their brain, because brains work, we, we recognize patterns, right? We recognize, we fall back on our memory to 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 things that we are trained, right? We know that D comes after C because it's a pattern, right? A, B, C, D. We're taught patterns our entire lives. So if you if you are, you know, the, the Indians did not even understand where these people were coming from because they, they had nothing in their brain to fall back to give them an idea that men traveled over sea on a boat like that big. It took them like three or four years, I think, the, or three or four days, the shaman was watching the, the men come ashore, and he finally was able to, to realize that they were coming off this ship and then he related that to the tribe, and then the tribe understood that they traveled across sea. But it was such a foreign thought to these people, these simple people, that they their brains could not wrap around the idea because they had no no there was no pattern there. I think a lot of that might have to do with the Bigfoot phenomena as well. And uh, connecting on the pattern thing, there's also that theory that I forget specifically what it's called, but basically things from the ancient world of humans are like collective memory kind of passed down, and a lot of it has to do with fear. That's why you're like inherently scared of spiders and snakes and things like that. Like even babies are just because that's a genetic thing that was passed down as this collective fear. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in early human history, there's a lot of different animals and things that existed that don't exist now. And I mean, there's definitely evidence of a lot of it, but a lot of them also were bigger and more violent looking than probably we have today. So if your brain is already like looking for that inherently, just from, you know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of years really of being scared of these things, uh, I I just think your brain is looking to find it. And, you know, it's people that see Bigfoot a lot of the times, I feel like not all the time, but I feel like a good percentage of it somewhere in them, they were wanting to believe anyway, versus like someone like me, if I went out to the woods, it would be a lot harder for me to have any sort of sighting because I'm not tuned in to look for it. And you're not, you're not, you're not, you don't have your Bigfoot filter turned on because that happens a lot is a lot of people will go into the woods. They'll go into woods that have oak trees and then an acorn will fall and suddenly Bigfoot's throwing rocks at them or pebbles at them. I mean, it's like, (laughs) and that's true. I mean, that happens a lot, unfortunately. Um, But yeah, you, so, so I would think um, as far as if we're talking about expanding just what Tristan was talking about is I think if you have a hundred sightings, I would say 95 are misidentification, right? Probably a bear or something else. Um, That's reasonable. You know, or pareidolia, something like that. And then the the rest would be, there'd be a hoax. And then maybe one half of 1% might be the real thing. Yeah, I don't think I, I would agree. Yeah, I think there yeah. are a lot of Bigfoot fans out there. I think people go out and I know people pay good money to go on Bigfoot expeditions with the with the 
filter on that the, everything they see and hear is Bigfoot. That's very difficult because they're very sensitive. These people are very hypersensitive that if you shoot down, obviously it's not footage or it's not Bigfoot, but if you shoot it down in the wrong way, if you use the wrong vernacular, these people just curl up and, and, and just get so upset. And it's very, I did not think that the community would be, would be as complicated as it is. It is a very complicated community. And, but that's also makes for a better story to tell about, you know, different characters along the way. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> We're getting and, into the psychological side of it. People are going, oh, they're going to talk about the monkey running around the woods. <laughs> I like that. I like the psychological part a lot more, um, yeah. especially with the echo chamber effect that kind of happens with people in communities like that, where like you get a lot of people together, which collectively that gives you more resources to accomplish a lot more. And in certain instances that can do a lot, but also what can happen is they can start kind of like hyper focusing on one thing and then they just echo it and then there's no like they can't be skeptical about anything because it's going to get shut down pretty quickly um mm -hmm. i don't know that's I, I find that part really fascinating about groups like that is it's it can be hard to have objective discussion sometimes when there's too many people kind of echoing off each other and that's that's one of the the biggest pitfalls too with uh with with research right it's as i know that we want to expand our research group right we want to bring more people more qualified people into the woods but that being said it is very very hard to bring people in that you have to vet them and you don't you know are we bringing too many believers into the woods and not enough skeptics are we bringing too many skeptics into the woods and not enough believers it's a very fine line to try to push the ball forward and i think that's why um, it's been, it's, it, it has been nothing new has come from the conversation since the Patterson Gimlin film. If you really think about it, there has been no leaps and bounds, nothing. What do you, what do you think would have to like, what would be, I guess the next like big thing? Cause I mean, you have like the, the footprints and you have like the howls and everything like that. But again, you're right. There's like real, no big, big leap. What, what do you think that leap would have to be? It would have to be a body. Like it would have to be a body. It would have to be a body or a body part, like a finger or a leg or an arm or something like that. It would have to be something that that's um, that satisfies science, right? Uh -huh. it, 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 they will not. Nothing will ever. This will be. This will continue on till the sun burns out, unless a body is found. It will never, never pro pro uh, progress. Well, I guess there there has been hair samples taken that it's like an of an unknown like like creature or animal, right? There's there's been that piece at least. There's been because a lot I'm, of that. There's been a lot of suspected yeah. scat. There's been a lot of suspected hairs. But if you don't have something to compare it against, it's just circumstantial evidence. I mean, I have Todd Disotel is a, a he, he's a, a friend of mine or, or an acquaintance, and he he taught at NYU. I think he taught at MIT. I think he teaches at UMass Amherst now. And he's, he's into um, DNA sequencing, right? Into uh, to stuff like that. And he, he welcomes anybody to bring him anything of any circumstance, right? There are, there, now there is eDNA, which we can use, which is if you test a water, uh, if you test a water uh, source, maybe you might find, but until you have something to compare it against, right? You really, it's really just random uh, DNA samples that may or may not be uh, Bigfoot related. Unfortunately, I mean, I know sometimes when I talk to people that are believers, you can almost see their tears in their eyes because I can't, you're not breaking, I mean, you're not going to wear down the stone here because just because you want it to exist doesn't mean it exists. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's, it's heartbreaking. And that's, I think <laughs> it, it is. And I, I think to the, the fact that like you were saying like that, that next piece of evidence has to be, um, like some sort of like hand or foot, just like, or, or just something, a bone even that's going to, it's now there's, it may be a, a while before we get something like that. And there, now there have been claims, right? There's a, always claims of people having something like that somewhere. But, but if, if you're going to have it, right. If let's say I find a Bigfoot body, right. Tomorrow I go out and I find a Bigfoot body and I put it in my freezer and I say, I got it, but I'm not going to show it to anybody that doesn't do anybody any good. I might as well have a side of roast beef in the, in the freezer, a side of ham in the freezer. The same thing. If I'm not willing to give it to science and let them have it right with the contingency that I'll get it back right? There's been claims of that where people have handed over stuff. Claims, again, we're talking here, that is, you know, there's been claims of I handed over and it disappeared. You know, I had it and it's gone now, you know? So if I'm, if you're not willing to share the evidence and that's why with the collective, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of nitpicking out of there. There's a lot, and I'm not saying every group, but there's a lot of groups that protect their evidence. It's my evidence. It's, it's, I'm not going to share it with you guys. It's ours. We're going to find Bigfoot. We're going to be the worst thing that could happen to the person like that is that Bigfoot is is discovered because what happens next is once Bigfoot is proved to be a, a real flesh and blood studyable creature, all the armchair researchers are done because all the heavyweights will come in, right? All the universities, all the grants, all the funding, all the National Geographic, all those, all the heavyweight scientists will start to investigate this phenomena and this species and the people that are that were there in the beginning, like the BFRO, will be ignored. They'll be pushed to the side. So the worst thing that they want to happen is the last thing that they want to happen is to have thing, the thing discovered, if that makes sense. Yeah, true. And I have a, a bit of a theory or an idea of also why bodies may not have been discovered of Bigfoot. My, or you know, what I've come across is that the Bigfoot are actually like intelligent creatures, and they've been here for either as long as or possibly longer than you know us humans have. And maybe they understand that like if a body was to be discovered, like y'all said, it would be chaos it'd be havoc like everybody that was skeptical now have to agree okay it's real everybody that's been saying it for years will come out and say you know i told you so and maybe bigfoot like as a species they understand that humans can be a bit i want to say aggressive towards anything that's proven to be as sentient as we are if not more sentient it could be this whole problem of like Maybe Bigfoot have teleportation technology, and that's why they can be here one day and then be gone the next. Or that's why no bodies have been found because if ever anything happens to them, they leave out or they, you know, take the body with them. And maybe they recognize that humans are just prone to basically discovering these same advances and destroying the planet that they reside on, just like we do. No, Leo. No, it's UFOs. It's UFOs and Bigfoot. <laughs> right? What if Bigfoots are the pilots of these UFOs? That's no, their transportation. No, look what we did with the buffalo, right? Well, look what we did with the North American buffalo. We almost hunted that thing out of existence. Exactly. And I think that's right? what Bigfoot, like, because they've been here and they understand that, like, oh, man, these humans are violent. They've gone to war at each other, almost wiped out entire species. And we don't want that to happen to us. So it's like, we're going to stay out of sight. They could take pictures. That is that is that is a brilliant accu uh, brilliant point of view honestly is that they are smart enough to stay away because they realize that big that that um look at look what happened to the native americans when the spanish you know landed right exactly and who's to say that the natives out. aren't in communication with them as well to say hey you know stay out of it stay away from them and even looking at like wild animals you know or 
you know, dogs or cats that have been abused by humans, they tend to steer away or get aggressive themselves in a, mm-hmm. in, a, in a means of defense. So it's like, even if Bigfoot isn't as intelligent, but it's still a wild animal, doesn't mean that they still won't do their best to avoid humans because of, you know, maybe past encounters or just what they've seen, how they treat other animals even, of, you know, all the animals losing their homes and stuff. Maybe they understand that too as being like, oh no, this can happen to us. Let's avoid them at all costs. Okay, Leo. Okay. Okay. That was, that was okay. All right. I'll give you that one. That was all right. Hard ass on Leo. Come on. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty much wrapping it up right now. Uh, Brandon, do you have any final thoughts as far as your research, anything that you want our listeners to know about, you know, if they want to get involved with Bigfoot, if they're looking to do their own research, what are, what are, what are some of your final thoughts you know, on this topic? That's a very good question, and, I'm, and it's a good note to end on. Is um, you know, it's it's I I, I might sound like a hard ass uh, on the in the interview. It's only because I I I I, I want people to come and in, in, in investigate any mysterious thing, whether it's Bigfoot, whether it's UFOs, whether it's a Jolly Green Giant. It doesn't matter. Do your research, have fun, but but don't buy the farm. Right? Be smart enough to tell the difference between a hoax. And real, and don't be so gullible. If if that's what you want to do, then call yourself a Bigfoot fan and read the books. That's fine, but but if you're going to research, take five minutes to 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 look a little bit deeper at, at what you're investigating or maybe what you're watching on the cha- on YouTube, and say that you know is is this being is this really being presented in the as a straight and narrow on the fence as far as impartial or without confirmation bias? Because confirmation bias clouds a lot of this community and everything is presented and everything's into clickbait and everything, you know, things were a lot simpler back before the internet, as far as Bigfoot research went, because Bigfoot researchers actually had to go places and do their investigations and then put the, write the report on a typewriter and then submit it. So those people did real boots on the ground stuff. So maybe just welcome to the family, but just don't believe everything you (laughs) say, you know? Thank you. I think, I think (laughs) you bring up a great point. That's great. Uh, Tristan and Leo, any final thoughts? Um, I've been pretty honest about the fact I don't believe in Bigfoot really at all. Um, just kind of the main point of the conversation, which you'd kind of said at the end, is if there's a body, I'm all willing to like go back and like really investigate what's going on and like know where he is, his whole habitat, all those things. But yeah, that's really my big cutoff point until there is like some identifiable body like shoved in people's faces. I just, yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't believe it. Yeah, and I'm open to the idea that he definitely or it does exist, but it's just a matter of in what form or, you know, if it's a physical flesh and blood or if it's something beyond our comprehension. I don't know. Till we see something, you know, concrete, that's like, mm, we'll see. Exactly. And that's that's a very, very good way to look at it both ways is is I'm I'm a fan of the project. I I, I do want it to, to exist. But I'm not going to be sold a bill of goods unless I see a body. You know, it, it would take me, for me to to believe that it exists, I would have to see it during daylight at, at probably no less than 30 or 40 yards and know that it, that it exists. And then you would never get me to shut up about it. <laughs> I'd even want to give it a hug. <laughs> I'll, I'll tackle the fucking thing. Let's go. I'm dragging you to the lab. <laughs> Uh, Brendan, thank you for coming on the show. You, we've covered a lot today in this episode. Um, you have a Facebook page called the collective, correct? Uh, it's, uh, the, the Catskill Appalachian research collective. Yes. It's a mouth load, but awesome. We, if you can link us with that too, we'll put it in our uh, description so everyone can take a look at it. I'm going to link you. Also have a, 
Awesome. Thank you. And you also have a documentary called The Devil's Road. Yep. Too, correct? We've got a, we've got episode one of Devil's Road is out. Um, it's that you can find on the YouTube channel, which is CARC Universal. Awesome. And we'll we'll link all this stuff in the uh, description too, so our audience members can take a listen to this. Um, if you enjoyed what you listened to, please check out our social media pages to stay up to date with the latest content and episodes that will be published. And stop by again next week for our most interesting stories, mysteries, and unexplained occurrences in this world. And remember, we aren't looking for things that are normal. We want stuff that's effing weird. Take care. Japan is a podcast. It's about news from Japan. Japanese news. There's no ninjas. If you're interested in the news, this is a good podcast. If you're interested in Japan, this is also a good podcast. If you're interested in ninjas, this is not a good podcast. It's a Japanese news podcast. It's a podcast about Japanese news. There's no ninjas. Hey everyone, I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and we do a podcast about life, love, and hot topics. We're family friendly. Yeah, well, mostly. And you can catch us every week. So subscribe to the Chris and Christine show on your favorite streaming service. And buckle up, Buttercup, because you're in for some fun. Some fun? Oh yeah, that sounds fantastic.